Hi folks, I'm Alan Wharton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 15th of August 2012. For newcomers, I always suggest you make good use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. You'll see a bunch of official sites listed on the front page. They all carry audios for download, lots of audios, over a thousand of talks I've given in the past, and and they all carry transcripts in English for print-up as well. If you want to go into uh, Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu, you can find transcripts for print-up in other languages. And remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers as guests who give you all the bad, scariest news and then give you the antidotes to them and sell you things. So I depend upon you, the listeners, to buy the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And you can do so from the U.S. to Canada, remember, by using personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office. You can send cash or you can use PayPal. And across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram and PayPal. Remember, straight donations are awfully, awfully welcome because Canada's way ahead with its austerity packages and its inflation than most other countries, plus all the extra taxes we pay here too. So what I do here is go through the past to show you that you're living through an agenda. Uh, and uh, it's an open conspiracy, as H.G. Wells calls it. It's published, it's been published for many, many books, in fact, for a hundred years. It's just that most folk don't want to read them. They're not sexy and exciting. They're pretty dry and boring. But it's big uh, organizations, world organizations, the, a kind of pyramid of them, you might say, because there's definitely a head to it. And they decided to take over the world's resources and everything in it, including people, and amalgamate certain blocks of countries into big trading blocks like the EU and NAFTA for Americas, and of course one for the far Pacific Rim as well. And they're, they're doing it all as we speak. Now remember, they published this early, early on in the 1800s, and even Karl Marx talked about that part of it, because there's no right wing and left wing. The group that runs the whole show uh, were the international bankers of their time. They lent to countries. They owned a good part of the planet by then, in fact, all the resources. They'd already done all that. So they formed official sounding things like Royal Institute for International Affairs and the Council on Foreign Relations. And they have branches across every single world, uh, country in the world. And they have put in your prime ministers and presidents uh, for the last hundred years. So it doesn't matter who you vote for. And they use left wing and right wing because you've got to get conflict going to get change. And they plan the changes and the outcome, and that's what they're after. Today is going through the age of transitions, they call it. Does it bring you into the age of austerity, but in your post-consumerism and high cost for all energy, all that kind of stuff? That's all part of it, too. Written a long, long, long time ago, but now they're implementing this part of it for the next uh, 20, 30 years as we supposedly die off. Uh, and, and they actually were not dying off quick enough for them, so they're going to step that up too. And I mean that because these guys are behind wars and everything, remember, and millions have been killed by these people in, in the wars that they foment 
and they do foment wars. Even going back to the 1700s when they had different names, they were doing the same things across India, and uh, they always armed different tribes to attack other ones, and then the British came in to, to sort out the messes, as they say. In other words, take it all over, and they've been at this for an awful, awful long time. So you're living through a planned script, planned changes, and it's all basically uh, done. It's a done deal. Because once they write the stuff, they never change their minds about anything. They carry on. And they have unlimited finances and resources to carry anything through to the bitter end. No matter what they plan, they get it done. That's the sad news about it, because there really is no opposition. Because, you see, they have so many different factions, which they own. They're all specialized areas bringing the world together and into this new world order, as they like to call it. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix and talking about this big world we live in and how it really is an amazing system because indoctrination starts at birth really. Your parents indoctrinate you according to indoctrination they had themselves and they never question reality. Same with the grandparents too. And uh, why should they? After all, you, you think you're born into a free society. You, you, you're taught that things above the board. Uh, Who would be trying to pull wool over your eyes and, and lie to you? So that's how easy it is to, to create the, the correct kind of a population that you can do what you want with them. And that's what the media is there for, too, is to make sure that you all get the same standardized news, which is from the top authorities, the ones that run the world. And now you have literally worldwide news. Everything is being so standardized, it's astonishing. We see more propaganda coming out. And even the boys who will own the West uh, will tell you about the Middle East propaganda coming out from their so-called enemies. And... um, and it never occurs to most, more, most people that you get the same propaganda from your own people, uh, never mind the fact why they were there plundering across different countries to begin with. So uh, everything is propaganda, uh, right down to your television programs that you watch, uh, the, the different series that you watch, all this anti-terrorism drama stuff that's out there in movies is all part of your indoctrination because, you see, you're going to be under this new system of terrorism, anti-terrorism for the rest of your lives and even beyond uh, for, for the children that are growing up now. So that's what they say. Even the CFR has said that, so get used to it. That's it, basically. These guys ain't going to change their minds, you see. And it doesn't matter who you vote in as president. Uh, even quickly said that, who was a historian for the Council on Foreign Relations, one of the biggest arms of the propaganda bunch across the world. They also have think tanks that advise and, in other words, order governments what to do. And uh, they've also their own members all throughout the high bureaucracies, military and everything else. They run the world. Uh, but they've said that, get used to it, it's here to stay. So that's how it happens. And we adapt to it, of course. Most folk adapt to even getting groped at the airports, etc., and x-rayed, because there's so much beautiful propaganda. Even Holland has good propaganda out there now, where you see all these smiling children and so on, all naturally a PR shot uh, for advertising. But they're all smiling going through x-rays. They don't use x-ray scanners anymore. They've got different names for it, so it sounds, sounds nicer. Sounds nicer. Security checks, security scanners, not x-ray scanners. That sounds better, doesn't it? It takes your mind off all that radiation. So, 
You're living in a massive propaganda campaign worldwide. And if you go back into the writings of various authors, they'll tell you about the beginnings of the takeover, total takeover, and who did it with the media, especially in America, way back in the early 1930s and 20s, in fact. And they even had surveys done. They always do surveys first to decide how many major mainstream papers they'd have to own outright to standardize the news. Uh, or propaganda, and they came up with the idea of about 30 of them would do. Uh, they'd also market glossy magazines every month to certain quarters of society, even ones that, like Harper's used to be that would go for the, the, the bureaucrats, the bureaucratic level. They'd get all their stuff from that. So everyone's catered to right down to the bottom, and uh, it's still the same today. We get cartoons at the bottom. And as they go along this merry, merry way, of course, they also knew they were going to bring in this this uh, Internet system a long time ago, a long, long time ago, before we ever heard of it. And DARPA, of course, are the guys who worked on it and came up with it. They were using it long before we got it. So it was never meant to free the people. They actually knew they could, they could cause more damage to the mind by giving you by information overload and so many, so many weird, weird things out there. To, to arrest your development, basically. But they also knew it could be a threat to an extent by the few who are always awake in every generation who try to contact the rest. So there'd be cyber wars and info wars, and we're, we're in it. We're in information wars right now. And there was a guy way back in the, in the 70s talked about it becoming information wars. And that's been picked up on, too. So... Whoever exposes any of this uh, is, comes under attack. And even then, we don't, we'll never know the whole stories of who is who in this whole game here. But Julian Assange, uh, who came out with WikiLeaks, of course, has uh, he's admitted he made deals with some countries not to expose their e- emails, like, like uh, Israel, for instance. Uh, and the American media is primarily owned by a certain quarter. He actually made deals with them not to, to attack or, or release any of that stuff. So he's released a lot of other stuff that's upset the Pentagon and other people. But um, So he, he's hiding out in an Ecuadorian um, uh, refuge, basically, the, the embassy in London, England. He's hiding out in there trying to escape. Uh, the authorities are trying to, to arrest him, supposedly for, for rape in Sweden. And so, of course, they're going to, who's ever sent out total full-time police to to watch this guy over a rape in another country? Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. So they're obviously really upset about some information that's come out uh, to do with um, the various goings on in the security agencies, the stage color revolutions that are going on across the world right now. The big corporations are all involved in it. And many of the corporations, which are actually private spy agencies that work for the NSA and CIA. Anyway, it says the UK has issued a threat to enter the Ecuadorian embassy in London to arrest Julian Assange. It says Ecuador's foreign minister has said Mr. Assange took refuge at the embassy in June to avoid extradition to Sweden, where he faces questioning over assault and rape chart claims, which he denies. And it says... Um, it says the decision was made on WikiLeaks founders' asylum request was made public on Thursday. The Foreign Office said it could revoke the embassy's diplomatic status. And in a statement issued, Mr. Patino spoke. It said that the UK had a legal obligation to extradite Mr. Assange. Meanwhile, a number of police officers are outside the embassy in Knightsbridge. 
at a new news conference in Quiso. And Wednesday night, Mr. Patino said, Today we received from the United Kingdom an express threat in writing that they might storm our embassy in London if we don't hand over Julian Assange. Well, obviously this is more than some kind of um, accusation over rape, isn't it? It says, Ecuador rejects uh, in the most uh, emphatic terms the explicit threat of the British official communication. And they call it a hostile act. He said, such a threat was improper of democratic, civilized, and rule-abiding country. Well, where does he get that from Britain? Because Britain's never had democracy there. Supporters of Julian Assange, the founder of WikiLeaks website, gather outside the Ecuadorian embassy supporters, and it shows you them all standing outside, etc. If the measure announced in the British office communication is enacted, it will be interpreted by Ecuador as an unacceptable, unfriendly, and hostile act, and as an attempt against our sovereignty. It would force us to respond, he said. We are not a British colony. Well, wonder who owns their banking system. The City of London, probably. The Foreign Office, Office spokesman said the UK remained undetermined to fulfil its obligation to extradite Mr Assange. Throughout this process, uh, we have drawn Ecuadorians' attention to relevant provisions of our law, whether, for example, extensive human rights safeguards and extradition procedures, or to the legal status of diplomatic premises in the UK, the spokesman said. We're still committed to reaching a mutually acceptable solution. The law which Britain is threatening to invoke in the Sanja case is a Diplomatic and Consular Premises Act 1987. And it allows the UK to revoke the diplomatic status of an embassy in UK soil, which would potentially allow police to enter the building to arrest Mr. Sanju. The BBC's deputy political editor, James Landale, says the British government has been in long negotiations with Ecuador over the issue and has reminded it of the act. He added that while the UK has been frustrated at the lack of decision, it's not about to raid the embassy. That's yet, anyway. So they're they're pulling out all the stops to try and get this guy because a lot of folk are really upset about it. And, um, and of course, we only get some of the, some of the emails that are leaked, I'm sure, and there'll be a lot more stuff that's more dangerous than that, uh, in the wings. Now, U.S. launches the sweeping immigration reform. Now, remember Jacques Attali. Jacques Attali is way up at the United Nations there. Uh, he's from France, and he really is the, the sort of Kissinger of France, you might say. Everybody who went to see any prime minister, two or three of them uh, went in succession, had to go through him first, and he was a guy you really went to see, a top wheeler and dealer. And total globalist knows, knows the whole agenda. He wrote books about the coming new world order. He says winners and losers in the coming new world order. And um, in his book Millennium, he's written another one since. But he talks about what would happen to the states. He says it will become primarily uh, a Mexican or a Spanish American speaking nation. And uh, because that's the agenda to, for mass immigration to come in under free trade, etc., etc., etc. But it says here, the U.S. is launching a sweeping immigration reform, and it says um, students wait in line for assistance with paperwork at the Coalition for Human Immigrants Immigrant uh, Rights in Los Angeles, California. It says the 2012 students await assistance with immigration paperwork in Los Angeles. Undocumented immigrants are applying for the temporary right to live and work openly in the U.S. as a sweeping immigration policy reform takes effect. Up to 1.7 million people could be eligible for the program, unveiled in June by President Barack Obama amid pressure from Hispanic voters. It's also a voter's grab to get re-elected to. 
Republicans say Mr. Obama has passed over Congress and unemployed U.S. citizens with the program. The Latino vote could be important in November's presidential election. Most of the estimated 11.5 million undocumented immigrants in the U.S. are from Latin America. And it says legal immigrants are getting their records in order as the Department of Homeland Security starts accepting applications for the program, which would allow them to, to remain and work for at least two years. Uh, it says Baltimore is inviting immigrants to settle there, no questions asked. In an internal document, the Department, Department of Homeland Security officials estimated 1.4 million people would be applying in the first year. The Migration Policy Institute and the New Hispanic Center have estimated as many as 1.7 million people could be eligible under the program. And the administration's plan is to stop uh, deporting many illegal immigrants who were brought to the U.S. as children. And then it goes through how you get in uh, eligibility, etc., etc. Once you're in, of course, you stay. I mean, that's the old way. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix and, and going through just the regular news that's coming out just to, to show you how they're changing the world, really, and that's what it is. Because these, uh, or these big decisions don't happen suddenly. They're, they're made years and years before. Often the decisions are made long before certain presidents even get in. Because after all, the presidents carry on from the last one. It's a matter what party they belong to, because there's only one agenda. And as I say, the big boys at the United Nations have talked about this for years. This would come, and eventually, and this is only the start of it. They're going to open the borders much wider, because under the free trade deals that they're, they're pushing through all Latin America, uh, the, then you must allow the free movements of goods, uh, services, and labor across all borders, as Europe's already found out, and other countries have too, in other places too, in, in the far, far east as well. So that's really all it's about, the changing of society, planned a long, long time ago by those who own us all. And this article here, too, shows you the propaganda. We all know about the propaganda that comes out of the Pentagon. I've read articles here from the Pentagon, and even the budgets have got to put out movies, war movies galore, and, and to glorify war, especially in a way that attracts young men especially into it. Because when you're young, you're immortal. Nothing's going to happen to you. You're going to live forever. And the bad guys always can't shoot straight and they all, and, and the good guys always kill them. Isn't that how it works, you know, in fantasy? But it, but it works awfully well with young men who are really always immature. We men are, that's the way it is. It takes a long time for them to grow up. And it says here that, um, NBC's Stars Earn Stripes, this is the name of a TV show, Stars Earn Stripes, continues an inglorious tradition of glorifying war. This is as Nobel Peace Prize laureates, we call on NBC to cancel this reality TV show that likens military combat to Olympic athletes. And it says, uh, during the Olympics, touted as a time for comity and peace amongst nations, millions in North America first learned that NBC would be premiering uh, a new reality TV show. The commercials announcing stars earns stripes was shown seemingly endlessly throughout the athletic competition, uh, noting that its premiere would be Monday the 13th of August following the end of the Olympic Games. 
It says that might seem innocuous since uh, spectacular high-budget sporting events of all types are regular venues for airing new products, television shows, movies, but Stars Earn Stripes is not just another reality show hosted by retired four-star General Wesley Clark. Definitely Pentagon. The program appears minor celebrities with U.S. military personnel and puts them through simulated military training, including some live fire drills and helicopter drops. The official NBC website for the show touts the fast-paced competition as paying homage to the men and women who serve in the U.S. Armed Forces and our first responder services. It's our belief that this program pays homage to no one anywhere and continues and expands an inglorious tradition of glorifying war and armed violence. Military training is not to be compared, subtly or otherwise, with athletic competition by showing commercials throughout the Olympics. Preparing for war is neither amusing nor entertaining. It says, real war is down in the dirt deadly. People, military and civilians die in ways that are anything but entertaining. Communities and societies are ripped apart in armed conflicts, and the aftermath can be as deadly as a war itself, as simmering animosities are unleashed in horrific spirals of violence. War, whether relatively short-lived or going on for decades, is in too many parts of the world, and it leaves, leaves deep scars that can take generations to overcome, if ever. Trying to somehow sanitize war by likening it to athletic competition further calls into question the morality and ethics of linking the military anywhere with the entertainment industry and barely veiled efforts to make war and its multitudinous costs more palatable to the public. The long history of collaboration between the military and civilian media and entertainment, and not just in the United States, appears to be getting murkier and in many ways more threatening to efforts to resolve our common problems through non-violent means. Active duty soldiers already perform in Hollywood movies, embedded media ride with soldiers in combat situations, and now NBC is working with the military to attempt to turn deadly military training into a sanitized reality TV show that reveals absolutely nothing of the reality of being a soldier in war or the consequences of war. What's next, it says. As people who have seen too many faces of armed conflict and violence and who have worked for decades to try to stop the seemingly unending march towards the increased militarization of societies and the desensitization of people, desensitization of people uh, to whom realities and consequences of war, we add our voice and support to those protesting stars earn stripes. Says we too call upon NBC to stop airing this program that pays homage to no one and is a massive disservice to those who live and die in armed conflict and suffer its consequences long after the guns of war fall silent. And I would add to it too, and after the ones who really cause it to run your governments, the big corporations end up going in and plundering the countries, they don't pay a penny for all the chaos it's caused or the deaths it's caused either. You do actually. But it's true, isn't it? Uh, there's nothing on television you can watch without, uh, you know, wasting your brain, definitely damaging it. Because it's all propaganda, really. All propaganda, even your comedy shows. Look at, look at the, the way they put new innuendos into the comedy shows that eventually become PC, you know. Now, the CIA, and I've said this for many years, because they copied basically the old British Secret Service system, and then they formed the OSS during World War II, and they sent the, the fledgling CIA over uh, to, to learn how to do all the dirty deeds and all the dark secrets of, the, of the, the Secret Service. The Secret Service, by the way, at that time was itself the Royal Institute for International Affairs because that's where its headquarters were, Chatham, Chatham House still is. But it says here, 
25 cutting-edge firms funded by the CIA. This is a few of thousands. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watts, and we're talking about the big agencies that are all around you. Many are well-known agencies, too, and corporations, and then actually manufacture things. You'll find the big ones. A lot of them from Japan, in fact, were owned by the CIA, and uh, they produce lots of good electronics for the home, things like that. But they're way up there, and it's never, ever stopped. Uh, the CIA and, and Britain have lots and lots of front organizations that do make money on regular things, but they also are into many other things to do with the, the spying, etc. But it's, it's no secret the Central Intelligence Agency has an investment firm that funds startups that could have a big impact for the agency. Now, they already have thousands uh, of fronts, but uh, they, they, and I'm right down to the students too for recruitment of students in universities, lots of fronts with innocuous sounding names. But it says if there's a company out there doing intelligence research, it's likely that in QTEL, the CIA's personal investor either looked them up or made a check out to them. It's all to ensure that the agency remains in the forefront of tech. Since not long ago, InQtel invested heavily in a company called Keyhole. Never heard of them? Maybe you know their work. A little project eventually known as Google Earth, it says. So want to know what's next for technology? Keep an eye on these 25 companies. And it goes through them. 3VR. 3VR is a video surveillance company that is changing the game. It's... um, a video surveillance company, and it says uh, it developed software enabling organizations to mine data from video. NQTELS first invested in the company in 2005. NQTEL, remember, is the CIA's purchasing arm. Uh, 3VR works with leading banks, governments, law enforcement, and retailers at the moment. They also own Crimedex, which is basically the place where loss prevention and law enforcement professionals hang out online. And then this one is called ADAPT. It's called ADAPTX. Creates digital pens that speed up field data collection. And it says, of course, the CI invested in this company. They make pens with gadgets hidden in them. Adapts first received in QTEL funding in 2008. They designed special digital pens that expedite data entry. For instance, handwritten markup on maps would be automatically integrated into the CIA's system. Field journal notes can be automatically backed up digitally, and that data can be sent over a cell phone connection. And it says uh, it's only one of many gadgets that the CIA is bought into. Basis technology synthesizer, the foreign chatter. It says, um, synthesizes foreign chatter. CIA is obviously extremely interested in what's going on with the rest of the world. They're one of the most, uh, the largest employers of talented linguists, but that gets very expensive. So it's no surprise they're interested in basis technology, which provides software for text analysis over 20 languages. They work primarily in an applied natural language processing, deriving meaning from the ways people actually use language. NQTEL has been invested in the firm since 2004. It's also for you all, too, because you have patterns of speech in certain terms you're used more often than others, and it goes also with voice recognition. And it doesn't matter whose phone you're using, they know it's you, it's talking away. Biomatrica works with preserving biological materials. 
and it says Biomatrica uh, works on ways to make DNA, RNA and proteins have a longer shelf life. Uh, short and long-term storage of this information is important for the CIA. NQTEL has been invested in Biomatrica since 2011. Interesting, too, that Facebook's big up there and all the DNA stuff as well. So it's all connected. It says, Cloudera helps organizations to do large-scale data storage. And the CIA has massive databases of information controlling and sustaining these digital archives is just as important for the CIA as it is for technology companies. So Cloudera Enterprises is one of the most cost-effective ways for companies to securely carry out large-scale data analysis and storage. Especialized in helping groups use Google, Facebook, and Yahoo's software, NQTEL has been invested in Cloudera since 2010. And DSSP makes safe rockets that are controlled by electricity. That's another one. FireEye is one of the most advanced cybersecurity firms out there. That's another one. This is a botnet. It's a network of computers that can be coordinated to assault a target by obeying commands from a central hub. That's what they use, of course, on WikiLeaks recently. It says FireEye specializes in protecting against botnet attacks and also works to combat the malware that brings computers into the network. And then it goes into GainSpan makes Wi-Fi sensors that can run for years on a AA battery. Will they give you that technology? No, because it's a lot of money if you keep buying batteries all the time. But um, they're way, way ahead of anything that's for sale to the general public and all technologies. And even at this level, by the way, this is still mid-level. This is not really high, high-level stuff. There's another level above all of this. There's always three levels in reality for everything else in medicine and everything else. Now, Canberra, Australia, Australia's highest court upheld the world's toughest law on cigarette promotion on Wednesday, despite protests from tobacco companies that argued the value of their trademarks would be destroyed under new rules that will strip all logos from cigarette packs. The decision by the High Court means that starting December, tobacco companies will no longer be able to display their distinctive colours, brand designs and logos on cigarette packs. All this, by the way, is from the United Nations, the World Health Organization. And they've got every country to sign on, on this, this deal. Now it's okay because WHO wants you all to, they, they'll give you, make sure your company gives you methadone and stuff like that if you're addicted to heroin. They'll make sure you're supplied with all the needles you need and you can be stoned for the rest of your life, which won't be very long, but you can't smoke. I remember Bill Cooper talking years ago about when government gets into morality of the public and, and starts interfering with personal choices and things. And like, like all liberalism, of course, the liberals really don't uh, uh, give you uh, opponents any personal point of view. It's their way or no way. You'll find that with everything that they've done because it's not what you think it is in liberalism. No, it's not what you think it is at all. But uh, it's true enough when they start interfering with choices in certain things at the, at the bottom level, uh, they're changing culture. They have no, no right to, to interfere with culture and personal choices of people. When they do, you're in big, big trouble. That means they're changing everything within the culture, and of course they actually are, right down to promoting certain special peoples up to the top and, and all kinds of jobs and things like that, even now down to your gender preference. That's liberalism for you, which is, I see, it it will take no comeback from anybody else, because they're intolerant, you see. So anyway, they're altering all of that, uh, but they'll give you drugs and stuff like that. That's okay. And I mentioned before that Chinese companies are pulling uh, out of the U.S. stock market. I'll put that up again tonight as well, because apparently Japan's buying a lot of them too. That's standard too. You see, the U.S. set up modern Japan, for those who don't know it. 
and, and if you go into the uh, FDR's time during World War II, during the World War II, they drafted up a whole post-war Japan right down to uh, taking away its nationalistic uh, fervor and emasculating the males as well. And they've done an awful good job of that in Japan. And uh, but they did also set up a kind of banking, a strange banking system uh, that really, uh, as far as I can see, where the government acts partly as the central bank itself, but the central bank's owned by the same guys who own the central banks in the U.S. and in the city of London. So what traditionally always happened for many years is Japan always bought the debts and the bonds for the U.S. and, and could balance out that way. Then they used China for a while and do the same thing now as going back to Japan. See, the big bankers rule the world. They just keep moving things around when it suits them. They don't panic about things. They've got it all worked out since they set up. This article here is about climate consensus, and it says climate consensus data needs a more careful look. And it's from the Wall Street Journal. It says, um, and it's August 6th, op-ed, a new climate change consensus. Environmental Defense Fund President Fred Krupp speaks of the trend a decades-long mark towards hotter and wilder weather. We've seen quite a few such claims this summer, and Mr. Krupp insists that we accept them as true, only with Lewis Carroll's famous definition of truth. What I tell you three times is true. Is this the case? So the repetition of a fib does not make it true. It's one of the many pieces of evidence that our climate is doing what it always does. Consider the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's year-by-year data for wet and dry years in the continental U.S. From 1900 to the present, uh, it says, there are only uh, irregular chaotic variations from year to year, but no change in the trend or in the frequency of dry years or wet years. Sometimes there are clusters of dry years, the most significant being the dry uh, dust bowl years of the 1930s. These tend to be followed by clusters of wet years. Despite shill claims of shill claims of new record highs, when we look at record highs for temperature measurement stations that have existed long enough to have a meaningful history, there's no trend in the number of extreme high temperatures, neither regionally nor continentally. We do see the Dust Bowl years of 1930s setting the largest number of record highs at a time when it is acknowledged that humans had had negligible effect on climates. And same with tornadoes too. It says there's no trend, and it gives you all the data about tornadoes as well. When we get them now, you see that anything that used to be normal, they hype it up until it's a terrifying thing. And, um, of course, with instant communication, too, and so many newscasters out there, they're, really, they're always looking for new stories. So we hear about global stories across the whole planet. Didn't used to. So it seems to us getting all this news that it's worse than ever. No, it's not. They've always had, uh, you know, tsunamis and you name it, and typhoons and different things across the world uh, for as long as time has ever existed. But you can really hype it up into, into a fervor, which they do, because they've got a big agenda, and the agenda is to control all of you. And daily comment says, democracy, the EU, and Britain's future. Today, the meal begins a serialization of a profoundly important new book by the Tory politician Daniel Hannan, in which he delivers a devastating insight into unaccountable, unelected, overweening Brussels bureaucracy. That's the European Union. It says Hannan first elected as an MP in 1989 and has witnessed at close quarters the egregious, egregious contempt the EU elite has for the continent's voters. Well, it's not a democratic system. It's never pretended to be democratic, as far as I can see. And it's the new Soviet system. But remember, too, again, the, the, the Karl Marx first came out with a unified Europe. 
and then unified Americas and the Far Eastern Pacific Rim, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, when they, in the precursor that they had to them, the Milner Group came out with the same idea. In fact, they coined the term the Commonwealth of Nations and, and uh, so on, and they created the League of Nations and then the United Nations. And they all talked about it too, and they've said from their own think tank, the Club of Rome, that democracy would never work. It's only the cover for the people to be happy about, you know, give you a cover that you've got democracy. But it's actually it would never work in actuality. And so the system they're bringing in is, is um, authoritarian. Now, how do you bring in an authoritarian society? Well, you bring in uh, a war situation, an ongoing war, you see, and anti-terrorism everywhere, forever and ever. And so you bring in an authoritarian system. And where the government dictates to you, it's for the greater good and it's for national security, and you do what you're told. And we're in it already, you see. And most folk have already adapted to it. But it says, it says as he describes brilliantly on these pages, Europe's leaders, anti-democratic to their very DNA, have ridden roughshod over the wishes of the public to advance a grand plan to merge ancient kingdoms into a single state. Business landowners and charities have been bought off with mountains of taxpayers' money and governments have been bribed or bullied into refusing the public at their say. In Britain, our own political class, not wishing to derail the Brussels juggernaut, denied the country the vote which all three major parties so solemnly promised over the Lisbon Treaty. And it says, huge damage has been done to democracy, for the more citizens are ignored, the more cynical and mistrustful they quite understandably become, with, without uh, slumping below 50% in the 2009 European election. Brussels has been left with no real mandate, yet it's frighteningly broad powers to interfere in our daily lives. Over the coming days, Mr. Hannan's series will expose the fatal flaws in the one-size-fits-all single currency and pose the critical question of what our future relationship with the EU should be. Truly, there are no more important debates for our times and no more opposite moments to launch it. Yesterday, emerged the Eurozone is on the brink of returning to recession, Countries such as Greece, Spain, Portugal, for all the billions wasted on sticking plaster bailouts, continue to stare into the abyss. Brussels, unwilling to admit the euro is doomed, is planning to assume ever greater powers to run the economies of its debt-written member states. And so it goes on and on and on. And um, of course, I, I don't care what it takes. They're going to keep this euro floating because this has been in the works for over, well over 100 years. And uh, they can't let it fall apart now. They won't, actually. Let it fall apart. This is a good article too. This is uh, Obama Homeland Security pimps gay pride and tyranny speaker on agents hostile work environment for straights. So hostile environments for, for, for straight people are now becoming hostile. Somewhere under the rainbow, Osama bin Laden's ghost is still having the last laugh, and now it's at the expense of the bloated joke called the Department of Homeland Security. The agency has been shoving gay culture down agents' throats, double entendre intended, and straights agents at the DHS who feel ever-increasing homosexual-based propaganda, harassment and discrimination in jobs and promotions at the agency and at sub-agencies such as ICI, which is Immigration Customs Enforcement, the largest in the department. It won't be long before one or more DHS agents file hostile work environment suits against the agency based on this pattern and practice, and I'm surprised it hasn't happened sooner. As agents know, this is, I'm a practicing attorney, 
written by an attorney, and I'm available to pursue these kinds of employment discrimination cases. Some agents say yesterday was the last straw when all Homeland Security agents, the largest division of the agencies, as such as ICE, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement, were treated to the message below when they logged onto their computers at work. And it's just a great pride or LGBT pride event hosted by Homeland Security next Friday will feature as its keynote speaker a post-operative male to female transsexual who calls himself Amanda Simpson. As I reported to you on the site, the former Mitch Simpson was Obama's uh, uh, tranny uh, affirmation action appointee to the Department of Commerce. Says one career ICE agent who is representative of others who have contacted this author about this. Says, I'm pretty offended by this whole notion that I need to honour people because of what they do in the bedroom and with whom they're sleeping. Why is the government endorsing and pushing homosexuality? I work with a bunch of hard workers and many of us found this DHS pride thing ridiculous and demoralising. I usually, uh, not only, I'm not one to complain, but I found this to be over the top. I thought I'd, I thought I'd seen it all, but it's not even close. Says, I know this is to be expected since the incompetent secretary of DHS is a not-so-closeted, lesbianic woman, Janet uh, Napolitano, who has improperly gotten her own girlfriend, Dora Shiro, who was policy director at ICE and now runs the New York Bureau of Prisons, another job which Napolitano procured for her and those of other gay officials, including at ICE plum positions at the agency, and have received numerous reports from ICE agents about gay agents who get away with improper behavior and or get promotions merely because they are openly gay. You understand, there's a massive agenda. This is from the top down. Why is the top pushing this down into society? This is not some transformation, you see of society from the bottom up is it something that happens out of the blue you know this is all pushed from the top down you better think about it says agents suspect this pan-gay discrimination is why beth gibson a lawyer with no enforcement experience is obama's assistant deputy deputy director of ice and was recently granted senior executive status which means she will make over two hundred thousand dollars a year plus benefits gibson is the woman who killed ice's successful worksite uh, enforcement and fugitive operations that used to make illegal aliens fearful of getting caught, and now they laugh. So I'll put this up tonight too because there's a lot of data in here about who's getting promoted and why. And you've got to ask yourself why as well. Why is this? End of the family unit, of course. No breeding. A whole bunch of reasons destroying society. Easy to control. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and we'll go to Daniel from the UK who's hanging on there. Are you still there, Daniel? Yeah, uh, hello Alan. Um, yes. I was speaking to uh, Darren uh, from Ireland today and he's been reading the Koran um, and he had a question for you but he was unable to ring up himself so he wondered if I might be able to put this question to you uh, on his behalf. Um, he wanted to know what the word uh, jinn means in the Quran it's, it seems to be referring to some separate group or person that's um, separate from the general public like some um, elite group or something like that uh, it's the word jinn do you know what this is? the, the word what was that? jinn jinn could you spell it? it's, it's hard to make up with sorry? 
Yeah, could you spell it? Because it's hard to make out on this line what you're saying. Um, well, I, I don't know. It's either G-I-N or J-I-N. Oh, a gin. Yeah. yeah. Well, a gin is like an evil, uh, a spirit, uh, a demon, small, a small lesser demon. There's different levels of them, but a gin was a smaller demon. Yeah. I mean, what, what was what's the significance of that um, in the grand scheme of things, considering that the uh, this, this priesthood, you know, is the same priesthood that wrote, you know. The Bibles for all the religions. What 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 is that um, referring to? That demon. Um, you remember too that um, Islam uh, knew about. They, they took a lot from from Judaism and, and accepted all the old prophets. And then Muhammad became the next prophet. So they took a lot of the old stories to do with uh, uh, demonology. Um, there's far more demonology, of course, in, in the Talmud, which uh, is used in Judaism as, a, as opposed to what we call the Old Testament. Uh, so uh, there was far more in that because jinns were often called up by certain sects in Judaism. Uh, demons were actually called up for purposes if you went to the Talmud and Kabbalah. So uh, Muhammad was well aware of that, and of course they, they still believed in, in, uh, that uh, there were demons, and so they incorporated a lot of that into their own belief system, that there were entities out there that could harm people um, or be, could, could be used by others to, to cause harm, because you can call them up, as I say, much like when it went into witchcraft in the Middle Ages, same idea, and so they can be used for evil intents, uh, intentions. Uh, yeah. Powers of the air, they call them, yeah. Okay, thanks. And um, I just wanted to ask you a question about a book called um, Etty Dorper. I'll tell you what to do is email me. Yeah, email me and I'll get back to you. And, and maybe Steve from Georgia I can call back tomorrow. From Hamish Mosser from Ontario, Canada. It's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>